The Baltimore Orioles have done it again. They win their ninth game in a row with a 4-2 win over the Cubs on Tuesday night. Plus, they picked up a new pitcher in Lewis Head off of waivers on Tuesday as well. And I'll break it all down coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Wednesday, July 13th, 2022, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, and coming up on today's episode, we start with another Orioles victory as they beat the Cubs 4-2 on Tuesday night in the first of a two-game set at Wrigley Field. Nine wins in a row, and I'll get you the five things you need to know from another O's win. Then we'll break down the Orioles' roster move from Tuesday as they claimed the right-handed pitcher Lewis Head off of waivers from the Miami Marlins. Talk about his brief big league career so far and what made him intriguing for the Orioles. And the O's DFA'd Kirk McCarty to make room. We'll talk about that and uh, what role Head could play in the Orioles' bullpen moving forward. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked on Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by Blue Nile. Make your moments sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. And Locked on Orioles listeners get $50 off purchases of $500 or more. And this podcast exclusive includes engagement. So use the code Locked On at checkout. So let's start with another Orioles win. They have done it again. Orioles 4, Cubs 2 at Wrigley Field on Tuesday night in Game 1 of a two-game series. Brandon Hyde in his return to Chicago for the first time since he was the first base coach for the Cubs, of course, all the way through 2018, also winning the World Series with the team in 2016. He takes the Orioles back. The O's had already beaten the Cubs in the one game at Camden Yards earlier this year. The Orioles win it 4-2 for their ninth straight victory. And the Baltimore Orioles, on July 12th, get to 544-44 on the season for the Orioles. With, unfortunately, a Toronto Blue Jays win, the O's remain two games out of the final wildcard spot in the American League. But I'm going to get you the five things you need to know from this Orioles victory. And the first thing you need to know is that it was a big, big day for Ramon Arias. Maybe his best game of the season so far. Arias on the day goes three for four, leading the Orioles offense with two singles, a big home run, and two RBIs. He had three hard hit balls on the day, upping his season average to 249. And of course, the big swing for Arias came in the fourth inning with the Orioles trailing two to one in the top of the fourth. Arias on a first pitch fastball from Cubs starter Adrian Sampson, who allowed three runs over five and a third innings on Tuesday night. Just ambushed him, crushed a ball out to left field, just barely missed leaving Wrigley Field, landed in the top row of the bleachers out there and left for a two-run homer for Urias that gave the Orioles a 3-2 lead that they would not give up. It was 105.8 miles per hour off the bat and 417 feet. That ball traveled off the bat of Urias out to left field. And it wasn't the only good thing he did offensively on the day. Had two other hits, as I mentioned, was just scorching the baseball on Tuesday night. Arias had a 99-mile-per-hour single. He also had a bloop single at 78 miles an hour, and even his out was hard. The ground out he had in the sixth inning, or in the eighth inning, excuse me, was 98 miles per hour off the bat. And 
You know, here's the thing with Ramon Urias. Had a, you know, a nice little breakout season in 2021. Been injured a little bit this year, but the numbers have been down. And this is something we've talked about on the podcast before. The numbers are down because he's still hitting the ball hard. He's hitting the ball harder than he did last year. But his launch angle is terrible. He's hitting everything into the ground, not elevating anything. Well, you see what happens when Urias elevates the ball with that monster two-run shot on Tuesday night. You look at exit velocity, Ramon Arias is one of the top 50 hitters in all of Major League Baseball with his average exit velocity. It sits right at 91 miles per hour, which puts him above players like Paul Goldschmidt and Manny Machado, who are MVP candidates in the National League, Bobby Witt Jr., Will Smith, maybe the best hitting catcher in baseball right now. All of those guys have a lower average exit velocity on their batted balls than Ramon Arias. Ramon's issue is his launch angle is so low, his average launch angle, that he hits everything into the ground. And as people say, there's no money on the ground. You get many less hits when you hit the ball into the dirt. But when he elevates like he did on Tuesday, he becomes a very different hitter. And if that starts to unlock something in Arias, you know, he added some great defensive plays at third base on Tuesday night. He's done that all season in terms of defensive runs saved. He's been a top 10 third baseman defensively in baseball all year. You add that with just launching the ball a little better, getting it in the air, we're going to see a different Ramon Arias. And he's an interesting case because he's the biggest tweener on this Orioles team. He's certainly not a player who's just a placeholder and is going to get passed by easily by a prospect. But he's certainly not a piece on this team that's definitely a future piece. You know, the guys like Mount Castle and Adley Rutschman and Cedric Mullins and guys like that. But he's also not in the, you know, Rugnet Odor territory or even in the Jorge Mateo territory where, you know, you know his time is coming at some point. He's somewhere in the middle. He's shown flashes of greatness. He's shown flashes of big-time struggles. But he's a good defender, plays third, short, and second at an above-average level and is pretty elite at third base, hits the ball really hard, and if he can lift the ball just a little bit, he could elevate, pun intended into future peace status on this Orioles team. But the second thing you need to know from Tuesday night's game is that, well, Ramon Arias wasn't the only one who had a big offensive night. The Orioles' two speedsters, Cedric Mullins and Jorge Mateo, made things happen with the bat and on the bases on Tuesday. Each of those guys with a two-hit game in the 4-2 victory at Wrigley Field. Mullins, two for four with two singles, two hard-hit balls, and two stolen bases. Jorge Mateo, two for four with a stolen base and a solo home run. His seventh of the year was a nice little tack-on run for the Orioles. It led off the top of the seventh inning to give the O's a 4-2 to advantage. And it was a huge swing for Mateo uh, to give the O's a little breathing room. They were holding that one-run lead at 3-2 to for three innings, just barely holding on and uh, staying on top. And Mateo, that was a huge swing. 99.6 miles per hour off the bat. 393 feet into left field for a solo shot. And you just love to see the speed. The Orioles were running and running in this game. And it puts pressure on other teams to have that much speed in the lineup. Especially with Cedric and Jorge hitting back-to-back at 9-1. and one. And it's fun to watch those guys get on the base paths. Third thing you need to know from this one is that Jordan Lyles, the Orioles starting pitcher, did it as he says for the boys... Once again, in this one, Lyles just 
Kind of rolling through. Seven innings. He allowed two runs on seven hits, struck out five, and walked one. Did allow one home run and threw 101 pitches on the day, lowering his season-long ERA to 4.37. And the big number for Lyles, he allowed only four hard-hit balls in seven innings of work on Tuesday night. And now for Jordan Lyles, again, he was giving up hits. I mean, seven hits in seven innings. You add in the walk. He had base runners in pretty much every inning against him. He was getting out of traffic, got a couple of big double plays, really got helped out in the sixth inning. There was first and third with one out, gets a line drive hit right to Urias, catches it, steps on third base, and gets a double play to end the inning and keep the O's up 3-2. to two. I mean, there were moments, certainly, like that in this game. And Lyles, you know, looked a little shaky early. He gives up the solo home run to Ian Happ in the first inning, lets a couple of runners on, and Alfonso Rivas gets an RBI single in the second inning. And, you know, it's immediately 2-0 Cubs after two innings. Lyles looking shaky. Orioles offense hasn't done anything. And you started to worry a little bit. But Santander gets the RBI single in the third. Arias gets the two-run homer in the fourth to give him the lead. And Lyles just pulls it together, throws five consecutive scoreless innings. And just keeps getting it done for this team. He had 12 whiffs on 45 swings, six of them on the four-seamer, four on the slider. His four-seam fastball really played up today. You know, he wasn't throwing it any harder than he has all year, but he was throwing it up in the zone with more accuracy, getting more swings and misses than usual with that pitch. Again, he threw all five pitches, but this was an interesting start for Lyles. You usually see him, you know, throw every pitch, four-seamer, slider, curveball, sinker, changeup at least 10 times in every game. That was not the case in this one. It was 46 four-seamers, 35 sliders, and then just 10 curveballs, 7 sinkers, and 3 change-ups on the night. He basically became a fastball slider guy for most of these 7 innings, and it worked against this Cubs offense. So it'll be something to watch with Lyles moving forward. But once again, 5th straight start, he gets through 6 innings for the Orioles and even is able to go 7. Fourth thing you need to know from this one is that Lyles turned it over to the bullpen, and they did what they've done all year. Two perfect innings for the Oriole bullpen, six up and six down. CNL Perez sets the top of the order down, one, two, three in the eighth, and then in comes Jorge Lopez. He picks up his 17th save with a one, two, three ninth inning that included a strikeout and Perez. And Lopez just continued to do what they do. I mean, Perez threw nine pitches. Can't really take away much from that. Didn't get any whiffs. Lopez gets one whiff, but he only threw 12 pitches in the ninth inning. I mean, they were efficient. Perez lowered his ERA, continues to drop below one at .93. Lopez, his ERA to 1.7. And the bullpen just keeps chugging along. And the fifth and final thing you need to know from the Orioles' 4-2 win over the Cubs is that despite all the good things in the nine-game winning streak, there was a little bit of offensive issues in this game. I mean, the Orioles went one for 10 with runners in scoring position in this one. They're only hit was the Santander RBI single in the third that made it a 2-1 to game. But other than that, you know they had base runners on in this game and couldn't convert. They did load the bases in the ninth inning and didn't score. They had multiple runners on multiple times. And they left some runs out there, four runs on eight hits. But it could have been more. The Orioles got a little lucky offensively in this game. I mean, really, Ramon Arias was squaring the ball up. But besides that, you know there wasn't a lot going on. Ryan Mountcastle had a really rough night at the plate, 0 for 5 with three strikeouts. He looked a little lost at times, but here's how you flip this. That Orioles team that, yeah, one or two guys had a nice performance offensively, rest of the team wasn't really hitting the ball, didn't really matter. 
They got their four runs, they got their pitching, and they win their ninth straight game, 4-2 over the Cubs, and the Orioles are at 500 at 44-44. and But the O's didn't just add a win to their team on Tuesday. They also added another potential bullpen arm when they claimed right-handed pitcher Lewis Head off waivers from the Miami Marlins. And coming up next, we'll talk about Head's MLB career so far since he got called up by the Rays last year in April. Talk about what has made him good for most of his career, but what made him really bad his last month with the Marlins and why his slider could be the pitch that gets him into the Orioles' bullpen pretty quickly. But first, got to tell you about Blue Nile. Com. Because this is the spot you need to go to whether you're ready to pop the question or you're celebrating a milestone moment. You can find jewelry as unique as her with the modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNile.com. If you're looking for fine jewelry but you're having trouble choosing or you don't know what size, what type of ring, you just have any questions in the process, Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand 24-7, available via phone or chat to help you find a memorable gift at every budget. That's what makes them so great. So make your moments sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. And Locked On Orioles listeners get $50 off purchases of $500 or more. This podcast exclusive includes engagement. So use the code Locked On. That's code Locked On. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today. So it was a busy day for the Orioles on Tuesday. Not only their game at Wrigley and the return for Brandon Hyde, but also the O's made a roster move, specifically a waiver claim that came up on Tuesday. As they claimed the right-handed pitcher, Lewis Head, off of waivers from the Miami Marlins. And wanted to start by just giving you a breakdown of Head and the pitcher he has been since he made his Major League debut back in April of 2021. Well, Lewis Head, one of these guys who it took him a while to get to the big leagues, finally debuted at age 30, again, back in April of 2021. He's now a 32-year-old right-hander who was DFA'd a couple of days ago by the Marlins. Orioles have claimed him and optioned him to AAA Norfolk. Now, Head was originally an 18th round selection in 2012 by Cleveland out of Texas State, made his way through multiple minor league systems, and finally found his way to the big leagues last year with Tampa Bay. So first things first, you can check off claiming a pitcher, not directly from the Rays, but who used to pitch in the Rays bullpen. And Lewis Head was actually that guy last year that kind of made MLB put in the you can only option a guy five times in a season rule because it's basically the Lewis Head rule because the Rays optioned Lewis Head, I think, almost 15 times throughout the 2021 season. They put in a rule to stop that. But Head had a great season with the Rays last year in his first big league year. He appeared in 27 games out of the Tampa bullpen. In 35 innings, he had a 2.31 ERA last season, allowed just 21 hits while striking out 32 batters and walking just nine in 35 innings, only allowed two homers, had a 3-1-1 FIP, was maybe a little lucky with a 2.16 BABIP where the you know league average is about 2.80, but still really got the job done with the Rays. And then it came to this offseason and... Head got traded. The Rays traded Lewis Head to the Miami Marlins for a player to be named later. Uh, that player that was named later was right-handed pitcher Josh Roberson, who actually has an ERA just shy of eight in Double A so far this year with Tampa. But 
It was one of those 40-man roster crunch moves by the Rays. They went into the offseason with head on the 40-man, knew they had more prospects coming up that they needed to add, and decided to get something for him instead of DFAing him. And, you know, they dealt him for a, a small-time minor leaguer to the Marlins. And the Marlins loved it because they needed bullpen help, as Orioles fans should know. The Orioles traded Cole Saucer and Tanner Scott to the Marlins just a week before opening day this season. They were a team that was looking to upgrade their bullpen all offseason. Kind of their first move to do it was getting Lewis Head. This was in November. This was actually before the lockout started. The Marlins had acquired him. But the guy that we've seen... Lewis Head this year, not exactly the Lewis Head we saw in his first big league season last year. Head's stats so far this year with the Marlins before getting DFA'd, he appeared in 23 games out of the bullpen for Miami, and in 23 and two-thirds innings, had a 7.23 ERA. So the 2021 tells you why the O's claimed him. The 2022 makes it look a little questionable. Again, a 7-2-3 ERA in 23 and two-thirds innings. He allowed 26 hits. He struck out 23 and walked 11. Hit four batters, allowed four home runs. And his FIP a little better at 5.26, but still not anything you um, want to make known. So the question becomes, what, what happened to Lewis Head between last year and this year? After a great year with the Rays, a bad year with the Marlins. Well, there may have been a little bit of an injury issue lately. So Head actually is currently on the injured list. He was placed on the 15-day IL back on June 23rd with a left shoulder impingement. Now, the good thing is that's not his throwing shoulder as a righty. So it's a shoulder issue, but not on the throwing shoulder, which is huge. And that meant, you know, a little shorter of an appearance on the IL. Now, he had actually made his first rehab appearance back on Saturday down in rookie ball through a 1-2-3 inning with two strikeouts. The Rays were ready to move him back up, or the Marlins, I should say, were ready to move him back up to AAA to pitch a little bit more in the minors there, but needed to make a 40-man move and instead DFA'd him over the weekend. So the question becomes, first, how much is that injury going to impact him moving forward? Because he seems to be ready to come off the injured list. He'll probably be ready to go out of the Norfolk Tides bullpen coming up later this week. And the other question is, what went wrong? Well, first of all, you do have to look at, you know, two separate time frames for Lewis Head in this 2022 season. Let's start with his first 15 of his 23 appearances. He was dominant. Head started this season for Miami with 10 consecutive scoreless appearances out of the Marlins bullpen, and 14 of his first 15 appearances were scoreless. Pretty impressive. In his first 15 appearances this year, that takes you through the end of May, essentially, the first two months of the season. 16 innings, 11 hits, just two earned runs, 15 strikeouts, seven walks, no home runs. That was a 1.13 ERA that Head had at the end of May after a 2.31 ERA all of last season with the Rays. So you can tell there's some skill here. There's some talent here. But then things fell apart in the month of June, which ended with him being placed on the I.L., on June 23rd, but in eight appearances before the injury in June, seven and two-thirds innings, he allowed 17 runs on 15 hits in seven and two-thirds innings, struck out eight, walked four, gave up all four of his home runs. That is a 19.96 ERA in June. So basically, if you're the Orioles, you hope, and maybe they might know this, 
that he was pitching for a lot of June with that injury that eventually landed him on the injured list. And now that he's already pitched in one rehab inning, seemingly ready to go, you hope you have the pitcher that pitched extremely well for the Rays last year and was lights out in the first two months of this year. So yeah, you look at the stats overall at a 7.23 ERA this season, not great. But if you take out June of this year, the rest of his career has been phenomenal. And I think this is a great waiver claim by the Orioles, not to mention that they've had so much success claiming former Rays pitchers, i.e. Cole Sulser and Joey Crable, and Lewis head to the list, a guy that the Rays went to out of their bullpen last year on the way to winning the AL East. They trusted this guy, and Miami trusted him too for a while. Now, let's take a look at what he brings on the mound. He's really a two-pitch pitcher. Now, technically, he has thrown a slider, a four-seamer, and a changeup in his career, but Last season, he threw the changeup less than 1% of the time. This year, he's thrown 19 changeups. That's about 4% of his pitches. And 18 of those 19 have been to lefties. So sometimes, if he feels like he needs to switch things up against a left-handed batter, he'll toss in a changeup here and there. It's about 88 miles an hour. It's got a 50% whiff rate, but he barely throws it, so you can't really take anything away from that. He's really a two-pitch guy. It's really four-seamer slider, which you've seen a lot of relievers in today's MLB throw out there. And he's made a bit of a change this year. He actually throws the slider more than 50% of the time. It's his number one pitch. Head this season has thrown the slider about 58% of the time. It's an 82 mile per hour slider on average. And he's allowed just a 200 batting average against that pitch while having a whiff rate at 30.2% on the slider. Now on that pitch, that's been his out pitch for his entire career. You know, he threw it a little less last year. Last season, it was 47% sliders, 52% fastballs. This year, 58% sliders and just 38% fastballs. But on that slider, in terms of movement, it's got one of the best movement profiles of any slider in baseball. Among all pitchers across Major League Baseball who've thrown at least 100 sliders so far this season, that includes relievers and starters, lefties and righties. That's a lot of pitchers. Lewis Head slider ranks 13th in all of baseball in terms of vertical movement, which means it's got a lot of depth to it. It's not, you know, a straight across slider. It's got a lot of dip, you know, obviously down and away from righties and down and into lefties. Now on that slider leaderboard, he is 13th. Ranked number three is CNL Perez and ranked number four is Kyle Bradish. Two guys who we know have some devastating sliders when they're out there. So if you add Lewis Head to the mix, in an Orioles staff that already has some good sliders, he really does fit in. Now, the issue this year has been the fastball. While the slider has been dominant, he's thrown his four-seam fastball less and less, but he's still throwing it 38% of the time. It's about 93-94, but he has allowed a 349 batting average against his four-seam fastball this year and a 674 slugging percentage. It has an average of a 28-degree launch angle against that pitch. Basically, he's just getting killed. You know, Extra base hits a lot. The homers, everything is coming against the four-seamer where guys are really struggling against the slider. You know, he's throwing more sliders. He's almost to 60%, but you got to at least mix in a fastball. And every time he does, he's getting crushed. That's basically been his issue. In terms of baseball savant and StatCast run value for all pitches across baseball, heads four-seamer of all pitches across all pitchers in baseball, in terms of StatCast run value, is the ninth worst pitch in all of Major League Baseball this year. The ninth worst pitch. 
You take every pitcher who's thrown in the big leagues this year and every pitch in their arsenal. You know, that's three to four pitches per guy and heads fastball has been the ninth worst pitch in baseball. So basically, if you're the Orioles right now, you see a Lewis head who throws a dominant slider, has had a lot of success except for the last month and is coming off injury. I think you take a chance here because listen, his four seamer last year, guys hit only 172 against it this year hitting 349. Now, maybe there's some luck or unluckiness involved on both sides of that in each season. But in general, that slider's dominant. If you can fix the fastball or you can maybe incorporate a sinker instead of a four-seamer or maybe have him throw the changeup a little bit more if you like it, that slider is the one elite thing. And as we've seen Mike Elias do with all of his you know minor league contracts he gives out, his low major league contracts, and most Certainly, all the waiver claims he has made since 2019, he always looks to claim somebody who has at least one top-tier trait. And for pitchers, it's usually one pitch or one movement profile. For hitters and position players, it's usually one tool. For Lewis Head, it's that slider. It's one of the best in the game. And if he can figure out the fastball, he's going to get back to what he was in Tampa last year, and he could really help this Oriole bullpen. So coming up next, we'll try to answer that question. Will Lewis Head be sticking around for a while? And will he help out the Orioles' bullpen at the major league level this season? But first, got to tell you about betonline.net, your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. You can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews and news, including, of course, the major league baseball season. But that's not all. Every weekend, you've got MMA, you've got boxing, you've got golf, and betonline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events. You can get the scores, you can get live betting, esports, you can listen to podcasts, you can check out news, injury news for your favorite player. Everything you would need for the sports gambler is at betonline.net. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action at BetOnline, where the game starts. So we're talking about Lewis Head to finish up this episode here, the right-handed pitcher that the Orioles claimed off waivers from the Miami Marlins on Tuesday. Now, of course, he gets claimed and takes up a 40-man roster spot, but the O's didn't put him on the active roster just yet. They immediately optioned him to AAA Norfolk because he does still have options. You know, he didn't come to the big leagues until last year, and despite being optioned essentially a million times, he still got options. But as the O's have played with pretty much all year, they had a full 40-man roster. So a move had to be made, and that move was a guy who barely got to put on any kind of Orioles uniform. As the Orioles, to make room on the 40-man for Lewis Head, DFA'd left-handed pitcher Kirk McCarty. Now, McCarty, you may, may remember, was claimed off waivers by the Orioles just a week ago as they grabbed him off waivers from the Cleveland Guardians. And I did an episode about McCarty last week talking about his struggles, what he could bring to the Orioles. Well, McCarty came from Cleveland where... He was solid in AAA, but had not had a good year in the big leagues. In 12 big league innings, he had a 9 ERA. He'd allowed 12 runs on 18 hits with 8Ks, 6 walks, and 6 homers allowed. It's not super electric stuff. He's got a large arsenal from the left side, but you know he's really just kind of a depth piece, a 4A starter, it looked like. Well, the O's maybe saw that too. And he did pitch once in AAA Norfolk before being DFA'd. He actually started Sunday's game for the Tides. He went four innings, allowing three runs on five hits with two strikeouts, no walks, and a home run allowed. And then he was DFA'd. Of course, the Orioles obviously saw something in him to claim him last week and DFA Marcos Duplan. So the O's are certainly hopeful that he clears waivers and he can stay in the Orioles system in AAA, just not be on the 40-man. But... 
This is essentially what happened here. This is the best way to look at it. The Orioles claimed Kirk McCarty because they saw something in him and felt like they could pass through Marcos Duplan on waivers or they just felt like his time had maybe passed. Then they saw Lewis Head on waivers and Michael Elias and staff said, Lewis Head is better than Kirk McCarty. Let's upgrade on that spot on the roster. They felt like they upgraded from Duplan to McCarty. They upgrade again from McCarty to Head. And obviously Head has a lot better track record of success in the major leagues than Kirk McCarty did. So McCarty may or may not stick around. I don't think either way. He pitches for the Orioles in the big leagues this year. And it was never really feeling that one. But I do think Lewis Head will pitch in the big leagues for the O's. And that's what I wanted to finish up with here today is, you know, what role could Lewis Head play? Obviously, he is initially optioned to AAA Norfolk where, you know, they'll make sure he's fully healthy. He's still technically on the 15-day injured list at the moment. But once he's ready to go, he's going to be a bullpen option for the Orioles. Now, there's not a giant, you know, pressing spot in the Orioles' bullpen right now where they need to get head to the big leagues. And frankly, the spots are going to shrink coming up soon. Kyle Bradish is seemingly almost ready to come back to the bigs. Hopefully soon we'll see D.L. Hall get to the major leagues. Of course, those are two starting pitchers, but it may force some of the guys currently in the rotation like Austin Voth or Spencer Watkins into the bullpen. And then you've got guys like Nick Vespi and Logan Gillespie who are currently sitting in AAA who have each contributed multiple times at the big leagues this year and are probably above head in the pecking order to get back to the big league bullpen, and they've had their success. So it's interesting to see where head plays in, but he's 32 years old. He pitched well for the Rays last year. He's got that elite slider. This could be a guy the Orioles are picking up to maybe supplement the bullpen after the trade deadline, because we'll get to this on further episodes. You know, who's going to be traded? Who's going to be kept by the Orioles? Who's going to be maybe acquired at the deadline? But I think we can all agree at least one of these relievers is going to be traded because relievers are volatile. And you want to trade them at their peak sometimes, especially when they're a little bit older. Now, I wouldn't like to see Jorge Lopez get traded, but he's certainly a possibility because he's older. He's never had this much success. You try to capitalize. And a team like the Orioles showed this year. Remember, I was against the trade of Cole Saucer and Tanner Scott to the Marlins. I didn't think the O's had the bullpen depth to back those guys up. But here comes Lopez and Bautista and Perez and Crable and all these guys, and they had the depth. I think the Orioles feel even behind these guys. They have more bullpen depth that can continue to replenish the bullpen. And Head could be one of those guys. So if a guy like Jorge Lopez or CNL Perez gets traded at the deadline, a guy like Lewis Head can come in with that success he's already had with the Rays and fill in right into that spot. Because here's the good thing about this year's Orioles bullpen trades as opposed to the last couple years. They've made good trades with their relievers, gotten back a lot, but the bullpen's gotten immediately worse. This year, it feels like you've got Head, you've got Vespi, you've got Gillespie, all in AAA right now, all with big league success already in their careers. All three of those guys could come right up and replace any reliever who gets traded and maybe not miss a beat while adding a prospect to the system. I don't know if I'm on board with trading any of the Orioles relievers who have pitched so well this year, but... Michael Eisen crew thinks it's kind of a flash in the pan for one of these guys this season. It makes sense to move him and then replenish him with a guy potentially like Lewis Head. But we will see how Head pitches in AAA and when he gets to the bigs. I do think at some point he will pitch in a Baltimore Orioles uniform. But that'll do it for today. Of course, I'll be back with you here tomorrow on the podcast. Be recapping game two of two between the Orioles and the Chicago Cubs. And then we're going to get to the big topic in Birdland this week. What should the Orioles do and what will the Orioles do 
with Trey Mancini. He's on an expiring contract. Despite the mutual option, those never get picked up. So he's going to be a free agent this year. The big question is, is what the return would be for the Orioles to get something for Mancini before he walks in free agency. Is that worth more than what Mancini would bring both on and off the field to the Orioles if he played out the final few months of this season and then walked as a free agent? I'll address that question, which got a lot of layers to the answer coming up on tomorrow's episode. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.